Chapter Nine of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine. With a quiet, cat-like watchfulness, Mister Filmer remarked everything which passed between Eda Brandon and Charles Dudley. It was not words that he laid in wait for, but looks and gestures, the involuntary as well as the voluntary, the trifling as well as the important nothing escaped him not even the accidental trait or the slightest possible indication of a passing emotion not the quick glance of the eye withdrawn as soon as given not the trembling hand nor the quivering lip not the irrepressible sigh not the fit of absence and the sudden raising of the look to the loved one's face was unremarked by one who knew human nature well and had made a trade of observation they love was his conclusion and they understand each other that walk home has concluded what seems to have been begun long ago now then what good is to be derived from this affair it is a common calculation which he made but one very apt to mislead men who see others labouring for the gratification of their passions are often tempted by the opportunity to endeavour to rule them for their own purposes and then whatever event occurs they ask what good is to be derived from this affair but they often miscalculate because they do not ask themselves also is there anything to be made of it with honour and honesty if they did they might succeed where they every day fail mr filmer however had his own particular views which led him upon one peculiar course his very position gave a direction to all his actions the roman priest stands alone amidst the world separated from all the dearest ties of our nature by an irremovable barrier he may have sympathies but they are curtailed and restricted he may have affections but they are limited and enthralled one predominant object is ever before him one career is fixed for his efforts he stands alone in the world i repeat not so much the servant of god as the servant of a hierarchy to the interest and advancement of which all his energies must be devoted and for whose purposes all his talents must be employed as long as he can bring the satisfaction of affections and the gratification of any passions within the circle to which the whole course of education from his earliest years has restricted his consciousness of duty perhaps they may be more strongly i had almost said more fiercely exercised from the very fact of their narrow range but the moment they would go beyond that limit the petrifying influence of an engrossing church comes in and changes the man into the mere representation of a system such was the situation of mr filmer he was by no means without passions fiery eager impetuous but they were subdued to the one strict rule and setting out with that mighty conquest it was in general more easy for him to subdue the minds of other men also he was not without considerable abilities abilities approaching genius he might have been a great man in short if he had not been compelled to be an artful man 
but for a priest of that church in the midst of an adverse population it is impossible to be otherwise it is not a religion of openness and candour and its means must be covert its course tortuous and indirect even in the very case of mr dudley his passions were not quiescent but he was prepared to sacrifice all personal feeling for the one great object of his existence and he watched as i have said asking himself to what uses the events taking place could be applied it was not however dudley alone whom he watched nor dudley and eda sir arthur adelon was also an object of attentive consideration during the evening there was something in his manner which showed the keen eye of the priest that the mind was not at ease that there was something working within the baronet's bosom and he was surprised that it was not revealed to him at once for the secret of sir arthur adelon's thoughts was not often concealed from him the whole of his past life had been displayed before filmer's eyes and much which had been taking place had been discussed again and again between them so far there was nothing to be concealed and the priest marvelled that if anything had gone wrong in the course of sir arthur's morning expedition he could sit for several hours without communicating the fact to him sir arthur however paused and hesitated not that he feared at all to recur to the past but it was his yet unconfirmed purposes for the future which he hesitated to reveal he knew that filmer was a firmer more resolute man than himself he doubted that he would approve any even the slightest concession to fear that he was politic and skilful he knew and that his policy and skill would be exercised in his patron's behalf he was also fully convinced but there was a dread upon him and he apprehended that the priest would advise measures too bold for his nerves at that time if he had been forced into vigorous defence sir arthur would have sought his advice at once but there was a choice of courses before him he hesitated hesitation is always a weakness and as such is sure to take the weaker course twice however during the evening he caught filmer's eye resting upon him with a very inquiring look he judged that he suspected something and therefore he resolved in the end to tell him a part to show him a half-confidence deceiving himself as all men in such circumstances do deceive themselves and believing that he could to a certain extent deceive mr filmer also although he had known that clear-sighted and penetrating man for seven and twenty years the dinner passed most cheerfully with all but sir arthur adelon lord hadley was in great spirits and sitting next to eda he made himself as agreeable as moderate talents gentlemanly manners and no very decided character would admit dudley was calm by no means so gay as his young companion but yet the happiness that was in his heart like a lamp within an alabaster urn spread light and cheerfulness over all mr filmer was as usual composed and tranquil in his manner at times impressive in his language but often adding to the gaiety of others by a quiet jest or epigrammatic reply which derived additional force from his seeming unconscious of its possessing any eda left the table very soon after the dessert had appeared 
there were those things in her bosom which made her feel happy in the solitude of her own chamber thought calm uninterrupted thought was at that moment very sweet to her she loved and was beloved and she had the grand satisfaction of feeling that she had it in her power to raise one to whom her affections had been given for years who possessed her highest esteem and who she knew well deserved high station from unmerited misfortunes to the position which he was born to ornament it was indeed a blessing and eda went and pondered upon it till her eyes filled with pleasant tears for about a quarter of an hour after she had gone sir arthur adelon continued at the table passing the wine with somewhat nervous haste and keeping up a broken conversation from which his thoughts were often absent at length he said speaking across the table filmer my reverend friend i wish to speak with you for a few minutes lord hadley mr dudley you must not suffer the wine to stand while we are absent i shall be back almost immediately and he led the way out of the room filmer followed him with a quiet smile saying to himself as he walked along towards the library what men do timidly they always do awkwardly in that they are different from women in whom timidity is grace adelon has had twenty opportunities of speaking to me and has of course chosen the worst well filmer said the baronet almost before the door was closed i have something to talk to you about of great importance i thought so sir arthur answered mr filmer what is it why do you think so inquired his friend somewhat surprised and somewhat apprehensive because it seemed to me that you had been annoyed at something replied filmer when you are uneasy sir arthur it is soon perceived too soon indeed the young and unobserving may not remark such things but one who has been i trust i may say your friend for so many years can perceive when you are uneasy in a moment and a very shrewd judge of men's feelings and actions which i do not pretend to be would i doubt not discover the uneasiness even without having the advantage of such long acquaintance these words as he intended added to the embarrassment which sir arthur already felt but nevertheless he pursued his course endeavouring as far as possible to conceal that he had any concealment well filmer well he said men cannot always alter their natures you know and the matter is one which might well cause uneasiness you recollect that affair of charles dudley you do not at all doubt that this is his son who is here no answered mr filmer dryly but we knew that last night i certainly did from the moment i saw the back of his head and your face left no doubt that you had made the same discovery the very first sight of him answered sir arthur adelon bitterly and the feelings which that sight produced left me no doubt of who it was that stood before me but listen a moment filmer listen a moment there is much more behind you remember well that business of charles dudley i say of him who was my friend and companion my rival and my enemy and last my acquaintance and your victim murmured filmer in so low a tone that sir arthur adelon did not remark the words but added and my debtor you doubtless also remember the election which we contested and my lawyers messrs sherborne and norris perfectly answered filmer 
the one the soul of policy and intrigue shrewd penetrating subtle and faithless the other the incarnation of republican energy and determination rash and inconsiderate though full of vigour and ability he was implicated a short time ago in the chartist insurrection apprehended with his fellows if i remember right and thrust into york jail whence he made his escape in two or three days rejoined sir arthur adelon it would be a strong prison that would keep him in however sherborne is dead norris alive well and in this country that is no great matter then answered mr filmer sherborne was a dangerous man and he is gone all your communications were with him my good friend at least as far as i know and i think i saw every letter the words i think were spoken in a somewhat doubtful tone as if he did not feel quite sure of the extent of sir arthur's confidence but the baronet replied eagerly every one filmer and indeed as you well know many of them were dictated by yourself true said the priest true i am happy to say they were i say i am happy sir arthur because it was but right that that man should receive a cheque not contented with marrying a lady of the only true church who was promised by her relations to one of their own just and reasonable belief he perverted her from the path of truth into that of error and in twelve months had filled her mind with all the foulest doctrines of that heresy in which he had himself been brought up it was just and right sir arthur that he should not be permitted to go on in such a course and that he should feel even here the consequences of those acts yes but my dear friend replied sir arthur adelon those papers are of much importance let me tell you both your character and mine are compromised if they should ever see the light but you told me they were burned said mr filmer with a countenance less firm and tranquil than usual yes so sherborne assured me most solemnly replied sir arthur adelon but nevertheless it is not the truth they are all in the hands of this norris and he is using every possible means to render them available for his own purposes this was as the reader knows substantially true for sir arthur adelon was one of those men who do not like to tell a direct falsehood even when it is their intention to deceive and he intended his words to convey to the mind of the priest a very different impression of norris's intentions while he could always fall back upon the precise terms he had employed and put a larger interpretation upon them than mr filmer was likely to do at the moment the priest mused why what can he do with them he demanded at length still in a thoughtful tone they can be of little service to him the time is long past the circumstances altogether forgotten charles dudley of st austin's is dead but his son is living replied the baronet quickly impatient that his companion did not see the importance of the documents at once his son is living norris knows that he is here and he threatens to place the whole of the papers in his hands that might be unpleasant certainly answered filmer although you had every right to act as you did act at least such i humbly judge to be the case yet one would not like to have all one's private and confidential communications to a solicitor exposed to the eyes of an adversary's son like exclaimed sir arthur vehemently 
Filmer, you use wonderfully cold terms tonight. Why, it would be ruin and destruction. Call to mind, I beg of you, all the particulars of the transaction. Remember what was done to lead him on from expense to expense in that business. Remember all which that man Sherborne suggested, and which we executed. The matter of the petition, too, against his return, and what was arranged between our people and his own agents, and the business of the floor in the title. You must have forgotten, I think. Oh, no, replied the priest. I have not forgotten, Sir Arthur, and I say it would be unpleasant, very unpleasant. What does this person Norris ask for the papers? Oh, a great deal, answered Sir Arthur Adelon, still speaking with that sort of mental reservation which he had learned betimes. More than I am inclined to grant. A great deal more. But I shall see him to-night. I have an appointment with him at Barhampton, and shall there learn what is the real extent of his demand. The priest meditated for several minutes with a grave and somewhat anxious countenance. Norris, he said at length, was a wild and somewhat eccentric man, but, as far as I could judge, a just and honest one. His views, too, though somewhat extreme, as his acts were occasionally ill-timed, were all in the right direction. I am afraid, Sir Arthur, we have fallen back from the ground we then occupied. The truth is, my excellent friend, the Church of Rome, as it is called, the Catholic Church, as it really is, has not that tendency which men suppose towards the aristocratic distinctions which have risen up in this land. It might place upon its banner the words civil liberty, spiritual submission. It reverences all ancient things, amongst the rest ancient blood, but is certainly opposed to an aristocracy springing from the people, and founded upon wealth although in itself it may be termed a spiritual republic, in which every man, according to his genius and ability, can, with the grace of God, rise to the very highest of its grades, even to the chair of St. Peter itself. We have often seen it. But as this is the case in all republics, the utmost submission is required to the ruling power, although there is always a corrective for the misuse of power in the synods and councils it is a hierarchy indeed but a hierarchy open to all men and as a hierarchy it is opposed to the domination of all lay powers which are ever inclined to resist the milder influence of spiritual powers but what has all this to do with the question exclaimed sir arthur adelon not comprehending what the reader has perhaps perceived that the priest was carrying on in words one train of reasoning, very loosely connected with the immediate subject, while in thought he was revolving more pertinently all the difficult points that were before him. "'What I mean to say is this,' replied Mr. Filmer. "'Men consider it strange that Roman Catholics should, from time to time, give their support to movements savouring of republicanism, and that persons whose views tend to republicanism should often link themselves closely with Catholics. But as I have shown, the connection is not at all unnatural, and the views of this good man, Norris, might well be, as they were, supported by ourselves, even were it not perfectly right and justifiable, in the pursuit of a great and all-important object, 
to combine even with men the most opposed to us in the minor points of politics when by doing so we see the probability of advancing the truth what would you have me then join with him now exclaimed sir arthur in considerable surprise for the arguments of father peter went so directly to support the inducements held out by norris that the baronet could hardly persuade himself that there had not been some communication between the chartist and the priest i did not exactly say that answered filmer men's views frequently undergo a change in a few years i know not what this man's opinion may now be he was then an eager advocate for perfect freedom of religious opinions he was then for sweeping away altogether what they call here the church of the state and leaving every man to follow what creed he thinks best but surely my reverend friend exclaimed sir arthur adelon such are principles you would never support or even tolerate it was in his religious views alone that i differed from norris the priest smiled with one of those calm sagacious smiles that have a certain though moderate portion of triumph in them the triumph of superior astuteness i would support them for their hour he said i remember hearing of a wise stratagem practised by a great general who was besieging a refractory city the inhabitants had dammed up a river which ran on one side of the town and thus had defended their walls on that side from all attack the dam or barrier which they had constructed was immediately under the fire of one of their strongest works so that it was unassailable but the general of whom i speak by a week's hard labour turned the course of a still larger river into that which served for their defence and the mighty torrent rushing down swept away the barriers altogether the river resumed its equal flow and the attacking army marching on took the town by storm on the very side where it had been judged impregnable the barrier which keeps the waters up is the heretical church of this country and we have naught to do but to pour the torrent of licentious freedom against that barrier till it is quite overthrown in order to have a clear way for our march and to secure our ultimate triumph the baronet paused and mused for several moments partly considering the new views which his companion had propounded partly debating with himself as to whether he should make his confidence more complete than he had at first intended and before he replied mr filmer went on again i do not mean to say sir arthur he continued that i would advise you to take any rash or dangerous step and indeed on the contrary i think you had a great deal better while you give encouragement to the moral movement oppose most strongly all appeal to force till the country is far more prepared for it than at present to show yourself upon their side may give vigour to their proceedings may gain many adherents to range themselves openly with them who are merely restrained by fear and timidity and may assist them in raising that prestige of power numbers and respectability which if it can be maintained conquers in the end all opposition for as you are well aware so curiously constituted is the mind of this nation that no question however absurd no view however false no measure however evil and detrimental will not gain the adherence of the great multitude if they can once be taught to believe by truth or falsehood 
that it is supported by numbers and by respectability i have no doubt that if i could show or rather if i could persuade the people of england that there are a million or two of atheists in the land demanding the abolition of all religious worship whatsoever the great body of the people will be easily induced to renounce their god and endeavour to sweep away every trace of religion from the land there is no being on the face of the earth so susceptible of moral contagion as an englishman it is a dark view of the case said sir arthur adelon but a true one answered filmer otherwise england would have been still catholic however to return to these papers you say you will see norris again to-night you must then discover what is the extent of his demand i would make him no promises were i in your place till i had had time for thought and deliberation neither would i refuse anything that he might demand that is to say not absolutely till we have consulted together i will go with you if you like to speak with him i do not think he would open his views before another said sir arthur hastily but it is as well my reverend friend to be prepared against the worst let us consider what must be done should this man's views be very exorbitant and should he refuse all time for deliberation then you must say no of course replied filmer and we will take measures against his measures i can see none that we can take answered the baronet gloomily he would instantly place the papers in this young man's hands and then ruin and destruction and disgrace would be the consequence should you find that there is danger of his doing so suddenly was mr filmer's reply we must deal with mr dudley ourselves either in attaching him to us by bringing him over to the true faith again or there is no chance of that there is no chance of that exclaimed the baronet interrupting him and waving his hand impatiently filmer you think your eloquence can do everything but you could as soon move the church of st peter and set it down in the capital of england as you would bring back to the true faith one of that stubborn race of heretics you are prejudiced my friend replied filmer calmly but do not suppose that i rely upon my own eloquence i can do nothing but by strength from on high and the voice of the true church is powerful still temporal means must be employed as well and i see a way before me of so completely rendering it his interest notwithstanding every cause of enmity he may have to bury all past deeds in oblivion to seek your friendship rather than your hate and i trust even to return to the bosom of the church that i am not without very great hopes of success should these hopes prove vain however my dear sir arthur should he show himself deaf to the voice of truth obstinate in error revengeful and rancorous in disposition we must use the right of self-defence which every creature has and in a firm determined spirit but with prudent skill retort upon him any attack he may make upon you and without hesitation or fear aim blow after blow till he either sinks beneath the assault or is driven to flight for safety his brow gathered into a stern and determined frown as he spoke and sir arthur adelon so well knew his unflinching resolution in the hour of danger 
and his keen and subtle policy in the time of difficulty that he gained courage from the courage of his companion and smiled with some bitter satisfaction at the thought of pursuing the vengeance he had already heaped upon the father to the destruction of the son likewise he only ventured to observe how either of these two objects is to be accomplished i do not see leave that to me answered filmer in a confident tone i think you have never known me fail sir arthur in that which i promised you to perform i will mature my plans prepare my ground for either course and though there may be difficulties which would startle a weak irresolute or unpractised mind they alarm not me on the contrary i often think it is a blessing of god that i am placed in a calm and tranquil position of life and have embraced a sacred profession which rules and regulates the turbulent impulses of our nature for i feel a sort of expansion of mind and rejoicing of heart when circumstances compel me to struggle with intricate and perilous difficulties and overcome stubborn and apparently insurmountable obstacles which might have led me had i not been excluded from mundane things into the strife and toil and degrading greatness of mere earthly ambition it is probable that he really believed what he said for there is no man who does not deceive himself more or less and those who from passion or interest or education or any other evil inducement fall into the darkest errors are those who are in most need of self-deception he thought deeply for a moment or two after he had spoken and there was a gloomy look of pride upon his countenance too as if he even regretted that in which he pretended to rejoice a shadow from the fallen archangel's wing but then again he roused himself with a start and said in an ordinary and composed tone we will talk over our old plans early to-morrow sir arthur you had better now go to your conference not yet said sir arthur rising it is not to take place till twelve but we must rejoin those young men or they may think our prolonged absence strange thus saying he led the way to the door and filmer only detained him to add one sentence remember he said do not commit yourself End of chapter nine